1: Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. And today I welcome Adelaide Writers Week director, Joe Dyer. The Adelaide Writers Week begins on the 27th of February and goes right through to the 4th of March. Welcome, Joe. It's so lovely to have you here to chat about Adelaide Writers Week. Thank you very
0: much for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. Now, as director, can you describe your role? Well, it's essentially uh, the role that pulls things together from a program point of view uh, in terms of reading lots of books, um, discussing lots of books um, and trying to, from the books that you've read and been inspired or stimulated by or infuriated by, I guess, as well, um, trying to work out what will make for an excellent experience for our audiences come late February, early March. So it's essentially the key curatorial role of the week. Um, And a lot of it is to do with trying to promote individual books and authors, but it's always, it's also trying to Develop a trajectory or an arc for the week where you're having a range of different conversations that converse fiction, nonfiction, um, the world of journalism and reportage, as well as poetry and different other different forms of writing. That whole melange has to be pulled together in a way that is coherent um, and hopefully enjoyable and stimulating for an audience.
1: That's wonderful. Now, I like what you said about having to read lots of books and these powerful emotional responses you have to them. Can, yeah. you, think of, um, can you think of a particular book or a couple of books that you had these really powerful emotional experiences with this year or last year?
0: Well, look, there are, there are a few. Um, one book which was really moving and devastating um, was Farrell's Hamnet, uh, which is interesting because Hamlet apparently back in the day, back in Shakespeare's day, um, was a name that was interchangeable with Hamlet, so it could be spelt either as Hamlet or Hamlet and it effectively is telling the story of Shakespeare's son Hamlet um, on whom he based the Hamlet Uh, In a non-literal sense, uh, Hamlet, his son, died at the age of nine from the plague, so he was really writing about loss and grief um, and dysfunction that can grow out of that. But the book, Maggie O'Farrell's book, is actually telling the story from the perspective of Shakespeare's wife, um, who she portrayed as this really interesting, um, organic, powerful woman who knew about herbs and who knew about natural healing um, and yet when it came to it was unable to save the life of her son. And it really was just a devastating account of loss, a um, mother's loss of a child um, and how that reverberates throughout a family and the relationships that the various family members have, have with each other and with the community um, and really I just wept copiously at key moments in that book. Uh, and I really do recommend that as one that hits a very powerful punch. Um, but there were other books, uh, you know, the book actually that has had great success just recently won the Book of the Year, the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards, was uh, Laura Jean Mackay's um, book, The Animals in That Country, uh, which Came out right at the start of the first lock. Well, in our case in Adelaide, the only lockdown, but the big lockdown that kicked in just after Writers Week finished in mid-March last year, um, and it, in this sort of extraordinary moment of prescience, um, tells the story of a so-called zoo flu that sweeps through Australia um, and the havoc that it wreaks and the devastation that is wrought in its wake. Uh, but it, one of the key symptoms of the zoo flu, the virus, the pandemic that's experienced in that book, is the capacity for interspecies communication. Um, so humans talking to animals and insects. But it's not in a Dr. Doolittle kind of way, it's no kind of cheery chat. It's really um, a very evocative kind of poetic way that she, that Laura is able to account for the various verbal and communication skills that different species have. So like mosquitoes have this kind of incredibly high-pitched and sort of irritating, almost chant-like way of communicating that kind of gets into your ear just as the kind of when you're bitten by a mosquito, it gets into your blood. So it's, uh, Laura has um, sort of zoological knowledge um, uh, before she moved into the world of fiction where she now sort of writes a lot about how animals are portrayed and appear and our sort of seemingly endless want to anthropomorphise animals as opposed to treat them as their own thing. Um, So that's a really fascinating book, um, but it's quite, uh, you know, disquieting in its way. So that's certainly one that I could also recommend. But, you know, it's really difficult to try and choose uh, one. of It's like, you know, as they would say, trying to pick your (laughs) favourite child because there's just so many wonderful books, both from Australian and international authors.
1: Wow. Those two that you chose, though, they do sound absolutely fascinating for very different (laughs) reasons. And you know, when a book grabs you, when it actually, it does make you weep and make you cry. You know, that is when it's it's a powerful book. Um, I think Sorrow and Bliss did that to me last year. I think I got to about 200, page 250, and I didn't stop crying until the end.
0: Well, look, that's an excellent, that's an excellent book too. And it's also, you know, it is emotionally so powerful, but it's also so bloody funny as well. You know, the, the writing um, Meg's writing is extraordinarily dry and witty as well as um, being able to describe so powerfully um, you know trauma and um, the complexity of mental health challenges Um, but the personality of the protagonist comes through so strongly and even when she's being she's at her worst you do think that she would actually be very good fun (laughs) as well (laughs) so it's I, I just, yeah, I think that's a really great book um, yeah. as well. And we're very pleased to have uh, Meg in a uh, session talking about, you know, the way it seems that we are suffering from a different kind of um, epidemic as well, the epidemic of mental health and um, mental illness. Um, and that's featuring a lot in, you know, a, a range of books, novels that have come out um, in recent years and particularly over sort of the end of 19 and 2020. Um, And Luke Horton has also written a book about that, um, The Fogging, which is both quite a literal thing that happens um, in in Bali where the book is set but is also, as you can imagine, conjures up the fogging of your mind and the way that you just can't see clearly, the fog that descends, the sort of... um, you know, cotton wool that comes into your mind um, and just obliterates clarity when you're experiencing mental health difficulties. And there's a there's quite a few different um, iterations um, and incarnations of that um, in that's not I don't want to call it a trope, but that sort of literary exploration in the program this year.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really wonderful. And and the way that that's described, the cotton wool of your brain. You know, if anyone has ever experienced that, and you know, I've talked about my anxiety quite a lot on the podcast. That's exactly how it feels—that cotton wool in your brain. You can't see clarity. You can't listen to common sense, and it is overtaking you. Yeah, I actually think that's really mm. important to uh, to read about.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I think it. I mean, and look, in the end, I think that's what literature does so well is it universalises experiences um, and it is able to, hopefully, good writing can provide some clarity, uh, insight or even just, you know, resonant descriptions that allow readers to get greater understanding but also, in some instances, get a sense that they're not alone. Mm, absolutely,
1: and I felt that way when I went. I read Sorrow and Bliss. You know, I felt so many of the things the protagonist felt. So yeah, absolutely right. Now you spoke about Meg Mason. Um, she is speaking at Adelaide Writers Week, and I noticed a number of friends of the pod who have been on this podcast before. And you've got a great lineup. We've got Trent Dalton, Sophie Laguna, Will Costakis, Poppy Nuoso, uh, Meg, as we mentioned before, Andrew Pipos. All at Author Week. Is there an author that you're really looking forward to hear? Speak about their topic or their book.
0: Well, again, I think um, I'm kind of excited about hearing everybody speak. Um, but there's look, there's a range of different uh, types of events that we're having, as I mentioned before. Trying to get an array of different types of events and different voices in the program is very important. Um, and so, whether that is, you know, we the the timeliness of some of the political sessions that we have where we've got Laura Tingle and Catherine Murphy talking about Australian leadership and how we've been lacking in some areas uh, in contemporary times. Um, And then we've got, you know, not one but two ex-Prime Ministers and Julia Gillard and Malcolm Turnbull discussing their experiences in politics, but very much also their take on what is going on in our body politic at the moment um, in these extraordinary times as these sort of reckonings yet again um, arise in Canberra. So I think that's all going to be very, very interesting um, and very timely. Um, but then I guess talking, going back a little bit more on what we were talking about, about anxiety of our times as well, is that we've got both Rick Morton, who is a wonderful journalist and author, who is the chief uh, uh Journalist, or was a reporter for The Saturday Paper, but had, before, prior to that, been working with The Australian uh, for many years as the social affairs reporter, and he's just got this incisive knowledge of um, social affairs, uh, the interaction between the social security system, um, poverty, all of those kind of very sensitive areas, um, and how they all interact together and impact on the lives Ordinary Australians. Um, he himself grew up in poverty, which is what his first book was about uh, 100 Years of Dirt um, and the very difficult childhood that he experienced. Um, and his latest book uh, is really about exploring um, the aftermath of that and the fact that he was um, diagnosed with complex um, post traumatic stress disorder. Mirandi Rowey, who interestingly has also written a story about the gold rush this time in Australia and also has flipped that perspective. Um, So we're looking at at the prism from uh, the Chinese immigrants that came here in search of a new life. So really interesting conversation, I think, that will be had about, um, you know, the act, the courage, um, the sheer audacity in some ways um, of migrating to an entirely new place, um, particularly such an alien place for Chinese people to go to either America or to Australia, and then what it means for your sense of belonging and self once you're here and where you're othered and marginalised. But I think it will be a wonderful thing for some of our white Australian audiences to read and hear and listen um, about that perspective. And that's something that we try and sort of pepper throughout the program as well. As well, is just um, different perspectives and different voices for all sections of our audience to discover.
1: Wow it sounds amazing, honestly, the way all the different things you've got going on and the different topics, and like you said, peppered with that diversity. It just sounds like an amazing program. Now, you've got an extra challenge, you know, this year, and you sort of missed it last year, but of COVID. But I imagine the the week has other challenges as well. So, what are the challenges that you face as director, sort of? as well as COVID, but just generally as well?
0: Well, look, the big layer of complexity for us is introducing all this technology into the gardens. We're an outdoor festival, so generally we describe ourselves as being very analogue. It's literally stage, chairs, uh, yes, there's a microphone um, to amplify the voices, but we've never had screens. We don't have any of that kind of, any of that technology around it. People don't do PowerPoints alongside it, anything like that. Um, So to bring in screens and all of the technology associated with that has been quite a challenge. Um, We also, as a free festival, which is one of the best things about Adelaide Writers Week, I think the the thing that encapsulates it most is its accessibility, and that's both in terms of the fact that it's entirely free um, and that it is outdoors in the middle of the city so people can just get on a bus or a train or On their bike or whatever and in they come and they can spend the whole day with us um so that's really the hallmark and the calling card if you like of adelaide riders week but because of COVID this year we have had to introduce some new and constricting um arrangements in that for the first time we'll have a fence around our site so that we can monitor the numbers coming in and moving Mm -hmm. through the site um of course you have to scan in um you know we can have we have to have strict limits on the numbers in our book tent, which is our key income stream for the support of Writers Week. Uh, we need to sell lots of books to support our authors, but also as our major income stream. And all of these things will, will have had to face modification. We don't we, we like we don't like to think there of them as compromises, but it is going to be a few more cues um, and a little bit more of a challenge in terms of, of accessing the Book tent, the catering tent, those types of things. So, we're asking for our audience to be patient um, and uh, indulgent of the choice of the changes which have been foisted upon us by the age of COVID. Um, and hopefully, it will just be for one year. But, um, you know, touch wood, you never want to say anything. We certainly didn't <laughs> experience, we didn't anticipate that we would still be dealing with both the actuality and the threat of. Uh, state border closures um, that's probably been for the last few months the most difficult thing to navigate uh, the premier's propensity across the country to just slam borders shut yeah. when there's you know one or two cases and people were getting a little bit panicked um, and all of a sudden you know we looked like we were going to lose a quarter of our program as of last week and we have literally lost over the course so we launched our program the end of january and between now and then we've had a turnover of quarter of our chairs where um first the abc weren't uh, or didn't allow their broadcasters to travel for work so they all had to withdraw and then we've had a few melbourneians and a few older participants who got nervous are being stuck outside of their home city or you know or just the ongoing risk of of travel and airports and airplanes and those types of things so look every festival has a certain number of withdrawals but we've certainly never experienced anything like this um and to say that the program remains fluid i think is (laughs) perhaps an understatement but as of today i think we have a full (laughs) lineup and we'll just have to see what tomorrow brings yeah,
1: well, the lineup is brilliant. And I think if we've learned nothing in the last year, we've learned that we can be creative, we can pivot. <laughs> I know everyone hates that word now, yeah. but we can. And um, I actually think uh, this Adelaide Writers Week is exactly what people need because it's been a tough year for everyone. And it'd be lovely to just be outside listening to authors and sort of feeling like things are a little bit back to normal.
0: That is certainly our hope uh, and
1: ambition for the week. <laughs> well, it sounds wonderful, Joe, and thank you so much for talking to me not only about the content and the program and your role, but just how passionately you speak about books. I definitely relate to that. Books are something that get me excited. I can hear that in your voice when you're talking to me, so I'm sure it's going to be an amazing festival. So thank you so much um,
0: for chatting to me. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, hopefully you get some one, one festival soon. Oh absolutely. I'd love to. <laughs> For the
1: first time, Adelaide Writers Week have put together a curated dozen, 12 events that can be accessed online from people's homes on a pay-what-you-can basis. A link for the full lineup, for the curated dozen and details for booking can be found at adelaidefestival.com.au.